another week of the Rev MD podcast, where we talk about medical milling tips for your private practice so that you can increase your revenue. This is Dr. Heather Signorelli with National Revenue Consulting, and we are a full service medical billing and coding team. If you haven't reviewed us recently on Apple Podcasts, head over there, leave us a review. That is the best way for us to reach more physicians and increase the medical knowledge around medical billing and coding, which we know we don't get enough of in medical school. All right, let's talk about the No Surprises Act and ABM forms this week, because this is so important, especially if you do things in the office that are out of network or you do... uh, procedures or things in the office that may be considered not covered, and you want to make sure that you can charge patients for that type of activity. We all know that navigating, you know, the complexities around healthcare billing and insurance can be frustrating. And if there's lots of changing, you know, requirements and things that need us to be partnered with our patients on. And so it's really important to be up to date on the requirements and the compliance that is out there. And so today we're going to talk about the No Surprises Act, about ABM forms, when you may want to consider getting those signed. And that way it just helps protect your office. It helps patients have a very clear understanding of what is going to be you know, something that could be not covered by their insurance company or when they're considered out of network so that they don't have unexpected medical bills and you, again, are protected so that you can charge them for services that they are requesting. And this will also kind of touch on the No Surprises Act and how that may impact your practice. So the No Surprises Act is uh, was enacted into law in 2021. So this is fairly recent and you know, the grand scheme of things. And it was actually a federal legislation that was designed to protect patients from unexpected medical bills, which is a great idea, but there are some complexities around it. And you want to make sure that you're complying so that if there is a patient who receives a bill from your office, they can't come back and say, well, I don't, I'm not going to pay that. It really addresses situations where patients are unintentionally receiving care from out-of-network providers, especially in the hospital setting. I think that that was really the intent is that a patient could go to a hospital that they're in network, but the physician is out of network, which would lead to bills that they didn't anticipate. So that was really the intent of it. But it bleeds into, say, a private practice that is seeing patients, and there can be one of two scenarios, right? So say you're not doing an eligibility check, which we talked about last week, setting a goal for that. But say you don't do an eligibility check, the patient is out of network, and say you don't bill out of network claims, you you would normally just bill that to the patient. Well, if the patient hasn't signed a form kind of alerting them to their financial responsibility and estimate of costs, they may not be liable for that. And so you are really going to want to make sure that, again, that eligibility is done up front. So you're identifying out of network patients. So then you can have them and make sure that they sign the financial responsibility form. The other scenario is say you are doing, say you're an OBGYN office and we have a few OBGYN practices and that OBGYN 
office um, likes to offer ultrasounds, which is great. Everybody likes to see their baby. But there are medically necessary reasons to do an ultrasound and not medically necessary reasons to do ultrasounds. So, you know, there's very you know specific time points and number of ultrasounds for some payers, not all, but for some payers that say, okay, I'll pay for these three ultrasounds, but I'm not going to pay for the fourth. So if the patient's really saying, but I really want to see the baby, I want to see the baby, and they do the four, you do the four, fourth ultrasound and it's denied and you flip it to patient responsibility, they, you know, one, I don't think it's good to have patients, you know, have services flip to them if they're not considered medically necessary without giving them a heads up, right? That's kind of the nice thing to do. So if you identify things that you're doing in the office that may not be medically necessary, but the patient is asking for it and say there's no harm in it, right? It's not like you're prescribing antibiotics unnecessarily, which we all know we shouldn't do. But so you do that fourth ultrasound because the mom really wants to see the baby. That's great. But then if you get a denial, then making sure the patient up knows up front, okay, if we get a denial for this, we'll try and submit it. But if we if it gets denied, it's going to be X number of dollars. And and here I'm going to have to have you sign this financial, you know, responsibility contract. And here's the estimate of charges. It's on this date of service. You're just going to have happier patients. They're going to be more aware and you're going to be more protected around being able to charge your patients for work that you've provided. Now, of course, it's really good to make sure that they know, hey, this isn't medically necessary. We can try and put it to your insurance, but most likely that's not going to be covered. Here's the cash price for this. That way, again, everybody's on the same page. And of course, there's always going to be that patient that calls and doesn't remember that conversation, but that's why you have a signed form. And so again, this some of this is kind of a CYA situation, but um, something that I really, really, really recommend. So we're going to talk about ABNs, um, which are the Advanced Beneficiary Notice Forms, um, which are really kind of specific to the Medicare system. And these forms are used to inform Medicare beneficiaries when a healthcare physician or provider believes that Medicare is not going to cover a particular service, a procedure, or any sort of item. And essentially, ABNs are a way of obtaining patient consent to proceed with a service that may not be covered, making them the patient financially responsible for such a thing. So those are, again, specific for Medicare. However, there are financial contracts or ABM-like forms for commercial payers. So while ABNs are primarily associated with Medicare, a similar concept is going to be crucial for your commercial payer settings as well. In cases where commercial insurance may not fully cover certain treatments or services, it's going to be vital for your team to obtain informed consent for patients. This really just enables patients to make an informed decision themselves about whether or not they want that fourth ultrasound, for example, to be determined. And then they know ahead of time, hey, this may not be covered. And in those circumstances, they have the decision to continue to proceed or to recognize that they have financial responsibility over that and what it would cost if a bill gets sent to them. And why this is important is, one, it helps you be partners with your patient and say, okay, here's the group of things that are medically necessary. These we're going to do today, and here's why. Here's the group of things like the full th- fourth ultrasound where it may not be medically indicated, right? You may need, may need to do a urinalysis, but you don't need the fourth ultrasound. But if they really want it, here's what it will cost. So let's talk about the five elements that are needed in an ABM form or an ABM-like form for commercial payers. So again, first and foremost is going to be a clear explanation. 
So an ABM form should provide a clear and concise explanation of why the service or procedure may not be covered by Medicare or even a commercial insurance, and they must understand the reason for that potential denial. Second is going to be a cost estimate. That's going to be an estimate of charges the patient may be financially responsible for, taking into account the potential denial. This allows a patient to make that informed decision based on the costs that are expected. So you may say, okay, the self-pay rate for this ultrasound is $200. Again, I'm making this up, but that may be an option for you to have that discussion, kind of going in the realm of the OBGYN example. Third is going to be a place where the patient acknowledge has an acknowledgement, right? It's a, you know, it's a couple sentences that basically says the patient acknowledges that their understanding of the potential fina- financial responsibility and that they are consenting to proceed with the service and a place for them to sign. Another good thing, so number four, is to have their contact information. So you can have contact information on there for the healthcare office, for the billing department, and even the patient's insurance company in case the patient has questions. And I caution on this because the last thing you want is the patients just to be calling your front office over and over again, asking questions that, you know, plan specific things really, in my opinion, don't need to be dealt with by the front office. They're not going to know, the patient's not going to know, you know, the questions to ask. The front office isn't going to know where to look. It always resolves revolves around you know, needing to call the patient's insurance directly. And so I really highly suggest if a patient has planned specific information, you know, above a deductible or copay or something, you know, based on a specific CPT code to have the patient, you know, call their insurance directly and have them ask that question. You can give basic information and I'm, am I in network or out of network? You know, what is it showing as my copay recognizing that that may not always be perfect. And, then allowing and, you know, suggesting that a patient, you know, really call their insurance directly should there be questions above and beyond that. Obviously, that's different if you're doing surgery and you're doing prior auths for something larger than that. Typically, in those cases, there's a prior auth or somebody, you know, on the finance side within an office who kind of helps manage that surgery process. Number five is you, of course, are going to want to make sure that that form is available in languages spoken to different patient populations. So you really just, again, want to make sure that the patient can fully understand the information provided. So last but not least, we will conclude that the No Surprises Act, again, came in 2021, kind of really got our heads around making sure that patients understand you know, their financial responsibility, that they don't have a surprise medical bill. And two examples that we talked about today are either situations where the patient is out of network or alternatively where a procedure or a test or something that you're doing in the office may not be covered by insurance. You can talk about why that may be denied and be able to then craft that form with an estimate of charges for the patient to review and sign in the office before the procedure is done. That's really important. Can't be after, got to be before. So again, these are examples that can be used for both Medicare as well as commercial payer scenarios. And it really just enables you and the physician and the office, the physician and the patient to have that conversation of, What could I be financially responsible for? How do I know that ahead of time? So you reduce the risk of unexpected medical bills for them. 
Today, we also talked about those five elements to include in an ABM form, and there's a ton of examples online, but if you are looking for one, shoot us an email at info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com and we'll get one over to you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Go head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review or or on any other podcast place that you are listening to us. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's discussion on ABNs and have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.